This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. All right, everybody, Startup Theory is up next with Nicholas J. Robinson from Reality Check, also formerly of Quest Nutrition. He is an amazing human being, one of my closest friends. I quite literally love this man. He's an incredible, incredible person. I was honored to be at this wedding. Nick is gonna break down for us how to start a company, what we are doing at Quest, what he's doing at Reality Check, and what it means to be Diving deep into the world of AR and yes. VR, what all those the R's. worlds are, all the R's. So many R's. So welcome, Nicholas Thank J. You. Robinson. It's good dude. to be here. It's good to have you, yes, man. Yes, man. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. Welcome. Congrats on the 100K. Thank you. It's so interesting because deal. if anybody knows yes. this journey, it's you. Do you remember celebrating? I remember 1, very well. I remember walking into the crappy, crappy building that was Quest yes. One. Quest version one point what eight by ten piece of paper that probably Lisa wrote. Said like almost certainly, yeah, that was cool. We were all so amped. We wanted to make sure that we got there before you that day, because this guy took us from nothing to one thousand likes 1, 000, on Facebook. Man. Dude, the first thousand are the hardest yeah, in tough. no uncertain terms. I remember being so excited. A thousand seemed like so many people, and this was, was really 2010. 10 and 11? No, 10. Yeah. Oh, did you start? You may have started it's 2011. Right, yeah, right it's like January 2011. Over. Correct. So, so it was kind of like, it was different back then on Facebook. Very different. Very, the very grind. different. Grind those fans. Yeah. Now look at us. It's crazy, man. It is crazy. So tell us a little bit about Reality Check. Give, yes. some, give people context actually sure. on you, yeah. how you got into marketing, yeah. and um, how you ended up coming to Quest. Right. Because that's pretty fun. Yeah, so Quest is always, you know, when speaking about what we're doing now, people are always like, wait, the protein bars? What were you doing there? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I mean, eventually it all, it all sort of clicks together. So my focus in life has always been how do you merge technology, community, and storytelling? Mm. Um, so that started as a kid editing films in high school, uh, brought me to film school at Syracuse and then eventually working for Michael Eisner. Um, after he left Disney, he started a new media company. So we made cool content for MySpace and for, way back in the for day. people that don't know, Michael Eisner is a big deal. I remember being stunned in the interview. <laughs> so Michael Eisner was one of the guys really responsible for blowing Disney up. Yeah. Uh, the CEO of that for many, many years. Yeah. And then... Departs. Starts he departs, new has a very nice golden parachute and decides, let's go do this new thing on the internet. Mm. Um, and at that time, it was very strange to making original content for internet distribution that just no one was doing that. Right. Um, so we found success and we released that stuff on MySpace. It got millions and millions of views. Whoa, that's um, OG, dude. Yeah, that's super MySpace. OG. But we were on the front page of MySpace. Wow. So, because people now, like, we live in a world of the news feed, but mm. MySpace wasn't like that. It wasn't, you know, automatically generated based on algorithms on who your friends were. It was, there was an Whoa. editor of MySpace. Wow. And he would sit there and be like, what should we put on there? And we had I an never output had deal a MySpace with them. account. No. Never. You were never on MySpace? Nope. Isn't that interesting? Don't you remember having to convince me to get into... <laughs> I lied about my birthday on Facebook because I was convinced someone was going to steal my I think my your identity. other account probably still has that. No, my... my a, like Not my the, personal yeah, account your personal does. One. Yeah, the one that's attached <laughs> to my fan page right. has a fake birthday and I've never that's changed it. awesome. So yeah, that's how I was on Friendster. 
whoa, yeah, this is why you were so good for me. This, by the yeah, way, is true. the guy that convinced me to get social. Yeah, It literally all started with you. Although, it's the way I tell the, the first interview story with you guys is, you guys said essentially, hey, we want to be on social. We don't really know what that means, so kind of go have at it. And I was like, yes. Well, I so will. here's the thing. I, I believe exactly in social. That. And that was my whole layout to my partners was, hey, this is all going to be social. We're going to do it. But I didn't want to do it personally. Right. I didn't want to have it. So when I say that I didn't want to step out front, I could not be more sincere. Like in the beginning, this is true. I had no interest. I remember trying to convince you to step out front. Yes. And it's that funny because I thing. tell her, I always say, oh, the marketing team tried to convince me. It was really you. <laughs> like you tried to convince me for years yes. to step out front. You were also the one saying we should do a reality show. Yes. Which I did not want to do. Wow. I forgot about that. Yeah. That would have been an awesome reality show. It would have been. I never would have let it happen as Ever. evidenced by the fact that I didn't let it happen. That's true. Uh, because they have to sell drama. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that. Yeah. It would have uh, been cool though. It would have been fun for the personal like yes. have it all recorded yeah. like, like we've recorded some stuff at reality like. I, i've got to get better at that but we'll like set up the mm. camera we'll set up a gopro when things happen and it's fun already to be able to look back on some of those things. very smart so and now you guys have a whole life archive here dude really this is crazy but even we don't film enough and i try to remind myself hmm. that like right now we look at this and we think oh my god you have a set in your house yeah. this is crazy but there's going to be a day where we're going to be like we had it in the house oh my god we that? did have it in the house <laughs> wow who builds a set in their house like it, that will happen, yeah. right? So this will ultimately be the garage, yep, right? That's right. It's a very nice garage, uh, but ultimately this will be the garage. That's right. So I try to remember this that. This probably just sort photos. of this is just this normalized for you though, right? Like you walk very into the kitchen, quickly. you don't see. Don't this. even think about it. Yeah, that's so crazy. And we're about to build out another set downstairs. Really? Yeah. Huh. So we got a whole new show. Uh, have I not talked to you about I it? I don't know. So the new show is all media focused. So it's going to be entertainment, which, by the way, video games will be a thing. So as you guys continue to flesh your thing, it'll be awesome to have you on that show. For sure. And talk about what can we learn. In fact, dude, one of the fucking examples I always <laughs> give is from you. I'm forgetting, like, how much I've sponged <laughs> off you. So you talk about, like, how much disempowerment there was in the modern sitcom and right. how the portrayal of men is just, like, grotesque. And they're, like, the frumpy <laughs> losers, not really doing anything, gets bossed around. And I use that example of how like subtly like disempowering messages can get in yeah. to pop culture. Yeah. So that was something you put on my radar. God, that's so true, isn't it? And instead of like dual empowerment, right? right. Of like just empower everyone. Exactly. But yeah, that's Sorry. a whole this that's a whole, whole separate conversation. Yeah. This was a diatribe that I brought us onto while you were in the middle of telling a story. Oh, remember yes. where you were? All right, so let's let's um, real quickly tell you the journey. Yeah. So Michael Eisner, and then obviously we end up at Quest, the fateful first meeting where I sit down with the three of you guys, have that light bulb moment for me of like, either these guys are full of shit or they're going to change my life. Right. Um, and it's, it's always funny to retell that because it, it sounds like a story, but it's actually true. Like literally that is, I remember driving home, talking to my parents, and that is exactly what I told them. Right. And they're like, okay, well then don't do it. Like if there's a chance they're full of shit, then like even at 25%, why would right. you risk that? I'm like, well, you know. That other side of the equation is pretty mm. interesting. And so it was one of those, let's roll the dice and let's see what happens. And yeah. I remember thinking in my head, all right, I'm going to convince these guys to let me build a soundstage. And I'm going to just do everything that I want to do through them. Because with Vuguru, with Michael Eisner's company, it was, all right, we had this direction that we were going. But I never understood how to make money with it. Right. And we didn't really, I mean, we got some advertisers that would finance the production. But from a profit perspective, you know, that was a very long tail of selling internationally and, and hoping for big heads. Right. Um, and then realizing, oh, wait a second, we can do this through a product. Okay, cool. I, I get that. Um, so the funny thing is, get into Quest, we start cranking, and, you know, cut to three years later, boom, there's a 10,000 square foot soundstage. Right. Um, and it's, it's so easy in retrospect to look back, right, and think, oh, that was only three years. That was so easy. I mean, three years, though, is, is a long time when you're no in question. the moment of those three years. Um, so Quest Nutrition, five years. Uh, that's a, we can dive into specifics of that story, but we'll kind of jump ahead to, for me, another holy crap moment. So we had our soundstage. We were sponsoring Team Liquid and HGC also sponsored Team Liquid. And who's Team Liquid? So Team Liquid is a League of Legends team, uh, one of the top ranked teams uh, in the world. Right. Um, so they just were, they just had a huge investment with some of the biggest names in, in just sports and entertainment. Tony Robbins is an investor and on and on and on. So it's, you know, they're, they're huge. Um, so... Who does Tony Robbins invest in? He's part of the the Axiomatic Syndicate that invested in Team Liquid. Whoa! Yeah, they've got like 
Peter Gruber and tons of people. Jesus. It's crazy. Um, it was a, yeah, it was big. Wow. Um, so we're sponsoring them, we as in Quest. Right. Um, and we are the first non-endemic sponsor of a esports team. So meaning we weren't keyboards or mice or a video game right. or something like that. We were a protein bar, super weird. Um, and that was sort of like our shtick. You know, we would do really weird things at Quest mm. uh, and they worked. So we're sponsoring Team Liquid and um, HTC, the makers of phones, and now of course the virtual reality headset, they are also a sponsor of Team Liquid. And they're spinning up marketing operations for the release of their VR headset. So it wasn't out yet. And they had one guy, he didn't have an office, and that, that was their marketing team at the time. And they needed studio space to shoot some content. So of course it's like, absolutely, like come here, do right. it, you know, whatever you want. Um, now of course, <laughs> at that time, and this was 2015, 2016, I did that first phone call. I'm super enthusiastic. I'm like, uh, hey, Lisa, um, we've got some guys that want to shoot some stuff at our studio. Uh, and then it just, you know, it magically happened, mm. uh, which I always love. That's that. Lisa. I, I, did, I, I, I was like always magic. a pretty, pretty big fan of that. Uh, yes. Snap the fingers and Lisa just kind of took care of it. I'm uh, still doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's my strategy, literally entirely. That's an awesome strategy. Hey, we should do a 24 hour live. And then yeah. magically, it, and then it here happens. you are. Yeah. You just have to stay hey, up. So easy. Yeah. I just I have to stay it up. It wasn't that hard. The team wants to gouge my. My yeah. eyes out. God, we should do this every week. Yeah, yeah guys, right? this is easy, right? It wasn't that hard. Yeah, I think knives would appear. Um, so, HGC comes, they shoot some content at our studio, and then um, I think it was Jason Ray at the LA office. He's like, Nick, you should check this out. So they set up their, at that time, the prototype version of the Vive. Mm. And I remember we all went through, and I remember going in, I'm in there for 15 minutes, and it was a early version of the game that's now called Arizona Sunshine. So you're blasting zombies because every new medium, it starts with the zombie game yeah. for whatever reason. Um, but I remember I have that moment where I'm like blasting the zombies, I'm having a lot of fun, but then I look behind me and there's a, a zombie right, right in my face, like in my grill, and I just freaked out. And for me, that was the moment. Mm. That was the moment where I realized VR is here. So we had, in the office, I don't remember if you tried, I think you did. We had DK2, the early Oculus. No, the early Oculus. Before Which we, one did I? I tried Vive. Right, you tried the Vive, but at the first El Segundo office, we got an early version oh, of yeah, the I Oculus. It, I mean, do it, 30 frame per second roller coaster demo, so you'd get super sick when you tried it. Nice. Uh, yeah, and it, it's what it's called the screen door effect, so it looked like you were looking through a screen door. Yep. So it was terrible. So I remember trying that and thinking, all right, like this is cute, and they need a couple more years. Right. And then I tried the Vive, and I'm like, oh my God. And it, it really was sort of that instantaneous, I need to pursue this. And remembering, like, I saw this with the first version of the internet. I saw this with early social. I saw this with early video. And, like, you just see this sort of pattern. And I saw, like, this pattern is emerging right now in VR. And if I don't jump now, like, when will I ever? Right. Um, so start going to VR meetups, start meeting people, and then eventually meet the guy who becomes my co-founder, Zine. Um, and he's just like a dude at a meetup and we just start talking and start hanging out and then decide. I, I love that. I, I don't uh, finish the story, but please, yeah. please come back around okay. and tell us how you meet a zine, court a zine. Right. Decide, th I get asked this question all the time, but I, I don't want to find a co-founder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so for me, it was so remember for the audience watching here, I got to go through the, the Tom school of business like in person. Right. And there's. You know, luckily you're putting out a lot of content and I think that's super helpful, but I, I got the benefit of like IRL. Right. It's different. So I knew like if I'm going to do this, I'm going to, I'm going to need a co-founder. I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> and a zine is the perfect like, hey dude, we should do X, Y, Z. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, here's what we'll do it. Mm. Awesome. Uh, and I'll tell you a good story that really goes into that. So anyway, I meet a zine and he starts coming to Quest nights and weekends. So he literally would bring his desktop computer. We'd go into the Quest gaming section mm -hmm. where the, the Vive was at that time and we'd start coding. Um, I didn't do a lot of coding, but I was, I was in like, I was in unity, like messing up all of his right. work. It was great. Sure. He loved it. Yeah, oh yeah. He got to go clean up all my messes. But at least in fairness, he didn't feel like you were just bunking off, leaving him to do the work. Right. And already at that time, like there was enough to do, you know, three hours a night plus eight hours on Saturday. Um, to get a game done, there, there was a lot to do. So the goal, the strategy at the beginning was I had just finished reading Disney's biography, which I know is another book that you love. Yeah. And for me, I mean, it's kind of like that Steve Jobs quote where he says, look around you and everything that's ever been created has just been created by some person, like no better, smarter or anything than you. Right. And I remember that quote always hit me. And then I read, read Disney's biography. His stuff, like early Disney content was terrible. Yeah. And, but he had this vision of, 
I'm going to use technology and merge that with story, and I'm going to change the freaking world. And he brought color to the world. He brought sound to the world. But it started with these really bad, janky animations that ran in theaters before other content. And his whole shtick was volume. Like, we're just going to keep going. We're going to keep putting out content. So I said, all right, Azine, in the next 12 months, we're going to put out 10 games. And hell or high water, we're just going to learn something. So we put out the first one, which was Thirst. Um, that was, geez, August of 2016. It was a mess. You essentially had to have a supercomputer <laughs> to run that thing. Like anything else, it was not going to work. Right. Um, and with VR, it's really important that you have to have at least 90 frames per second. If it dips below 90 frames per second, it starts stuttering. And if it stutters, you're done. You're getting motion sick. And that's just, that's the death of VR. If that's your first experience, you're not coming back mm. for a long time. So we had the best motion sickness inducing game on, <laughs> on Steam. <laughs> and Nailed it. And we totally nailed that. But here's the thing, like it was selling. Like we sold 300 copies the first day. And I remember Whoa. like refreshing the stats. I'm like, oh my God, like this is crazy. Mm. Um, so we did that. And then we went right to work on the next game, which was essentially a riff on Tetris. Um, which, by the way, I didn't realize this until recently. Tetris is the number one game of all time. It's 500 million units sold. It's 1984. Crazy. And there's some important lessons wow. about Tetris that we can talk about. Um, so anyway, we, we do a reimagining of Tetris in a synthwave world, which... It actually looked great. It Visually, was, it's it beautiful. It looked really cool. And the soundtrack was awesome. And the game was impossible. <laughs> it was impossible to play this game. Because um, what... The original inspiration was we were hauling boxes for something. I was like, dude, we should make a Tetris game. <laughs> Let's do it. <play. laughs> hey! And go. Right. And you would think in VR, like you pick up the blocks and you can move them around. And that two pivot points in six degrees of freedom is incredibly difficult. So we moved it to the controller. But if you think about a D-pad, you've got four degrees of movement, right? Mm. Up, down, left, right. In VR, it's six degrees. So now you have to introduce like an extra two control mechanism right. on the other hand. It was impossible to play. Except for, we were at GDC, the Game Developer Conference, and the number three world champion of Tetris comes up to us. He's like, guys, I love your game. That's I've amazing. I've played it for hours. I'm like, you're the only one who's ever played it. Wow. Um, so, two experimental games. Um, at the same time, we throw the hackathon. So it was the Mind and Body VR hackathon. Um, so Quest Nutrition and HTC sponsored that, and we brought 50 people and 50 developers who created VR experiences for the first time. Right. Um, for one, I thought it was like a cool look for Quest, but obviously, selfishly, I'm thinking, well, this is an awesome event mm. to be doing. And, but really, it comes back to the choosing your co-founder question. So this is towards the end of the summer. We'd done two games. It's starting to get, the relationship is starting to get serious. Right. But I realized like, I need to introduce, not conflict, but like some sort of pressure cooker. Because I know him, but I don't know him that well, right? Yeah. This isn't my friend since high school. So, all right, let's do a hackathon. Because the only thing harder than being in a hackathon is throwing a hackathon. Because everything that's going to go wrong is going to go wrong. Mm. And, and sure enough, the day of, the computers haven't shown up. They finally show up the video nice. cards. There's just no video cards in the computers. What? Which, and you need beefy video cards. You can't right. just you know, run to Best Buy and, and buy a video card. You need awesome video cards. Then, like, half of the headsets don't show up. Another really, really important component of a VR hackathon yeah. is the VR headsets. But it's one of those do-or-die moments. It's, we, the show is going to go on, no matter what. Mm. So we just have to figure this out. And it's, you pick up the phone, and you start calling people, and you, you just get it done. Um, but that really started to solidify our roles of, like, I've got these crazy, big, visionary ideas that we need to execute. And I can, I can get you down to... 30,000 feet, maybe 10,000 feet. But I need an awesome executor. I need right. someone who just wants to run with this thing and organize my chaos. And that was a big lesson I learned about myself at Quest is mm. I, I could go out and spread some pretty big <laughs> chaos, but you need awesome people who are helping to organize that chaos and execute on it. For sure. And that is a zine to a T, and the hackathon really solidified that. So we do that, and then it's just, all right, all the indicators are there. He's ready to go. He's sort of, he was the CEO of an agency. He had just stepped down from that, took a board seat, and he's, he's ready to go full time. Um, it takes me, gosh, another three months, four months, for better or for worse. So we kind of consider our official full time start date is January 1. So January, January 1, 2017. So that's when we move into our office in Santa Monica, mm. which, so when you think about growth hacking, there's so many different ways to think about that. And I think one of the most important things about growth hacking is you, you take whatever asset you have, 
either personally or externally and you amplify it. So the very act of VR is a growth hack. For instance, the new, the place that we have our office, they had just opened their co-working space. Mm -hmm. And I knew like, okay, we can't, we can't be out in like the open area because we have to be in VR a lot. We need to, we need, we need an office, but we can't really afford $5,000 a month right now for an nice. office. What, what are we going to do? Well, this place had just opened up and they wanted cool new companies because like there's a few lawyers and then tons of empty offices. So they wanted cool companies to sort of attract people. Right. We, <laughs> we practically get the place for free. Wow. That's and it's incredible. a nice big office, enough for a handful of people. Um, and it, it, was a, it was a very clear moment in time. It was a demarcation point where all of a sudden we're in an office together. And it just, it changed. Everything just starts ramping up. Two weeks after that, we get, no, sorry. So two weeks after that, this kid starts emailing us saying, hey, I like, I want to work for you guys. Just let me come in and interview. And right. I ignore him. I ignore him. I ignore him. Then I'm finally like, all right, send me your resume. I read it. And it's, the resume is very unimpressive. <laughs> it is very, very unimpressive. <laughs> and it turns out to be who becomes our lead engineer. Um, but the world's most modest kid still. And when the VCs come in, I, I tell them, Andy, you've got you've to gotta amplify yourself, right. man. Um, but so he comes in. He's, he, he, there's just, there was something about him. Mm. Um, and this, this kid hustles his ass off all the time. He goes home and he gets back on and starts coding. He's amazing. So after ignoring him, rejecting him, finally letting him come in, and then it's, you meet him on the spot. Like, okay, yeah, you're hired. Right. So that happens two weeks after we move in to the new office. And then I hear, this is kind of going into the growth hacking concept. I hear from Valve, who's one of the biggest game publishers in the world. And most importantly, they own Steam. And Steam mm. is the platform where you distribute games. Right. Um, and it's probably the premier place to distribute VR content. So I struck up a relationship with them because we were early in VR where you could be a nobody and start creating content in VR and be able to get the ear of Valve, which is a big deal. Big deal. So I hear that they've got one spot available at the game developer conference for a VR developer with a new game. So I call them up. I'm like, guys, like we're redoing Thirst. <laughs> you know, the thing that crashes everyone's computer and barely runs. Yeah, we're right. fixing it. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to have multiplayer, new graphics. It's, it's practically a new game. He just kind of laughs. He's like, no, no, no. It's got to be a new game. Like new as in new. So... I had been sort of thinking about the prisoner's dilemma and what happens within social VR. Um, we had a developer who was in Moldova and <laughs> <laughs> we were Skyping with him and then we got him a VR headset. So then we started meeting every day in VR and there was a, a connection. Everything changed once we were meeting in VR versus Skype because you can mm. feel the person. Right. So I had that in my head. I had prisoner's dilemma in my head. Um, and so I've been working on the essentially a game show concept with the prisoner's dilemma in it. So I pitched that to him. And at that time, it was probably a five-page document. Nothing was coded. Like, nothing was done. Right. So he says, cool, we need to see it in two weeks. And if we like it, you're in. I said, okay. And that so was... two weeks to take it from an idea on a piece of paper to, a, to an game. actual game. To an actual game. Wow. And that was another do-or-die moment. It was another moment like the hackathon where here comes Nick introducing chaos right. with this big, crazy idea. But... If we can hit if it. If we can pull this off, that's going to be a game-changer. And it was one of those six and a half days a week, sleep in the office, just get it done. Um, and already, we already look back on that moment. It's like the moments at Quest at 2 a.m., right. right? Same exact idea. And maybe in that exact moment, you're like, man, I'd like to sleep right now. But even the <laughs> next day, like even when you wake up the next right. morning, you're like, I got to get into the office. Yeah. And it's probably one of the best feelings in the world. It is pretty magical. There's so we no bust question. ass. Two weeks later... So the plan was, so Azim is the organizer, right? So he, he's the glue as well. And he glues all this together. So he has it all mapped out. And he says, Nick, you know, we've got to make sure we have at least two full days of testing. We've got to bring, he's like a very user-oriented designer. Right. So, you know, we've got to bring people in who've never tried VR and we've got to make sure they're playing. And that gives us a chance to work out the bugs. I'm like, yeah, man, that's awesome. Let's, for sure, let's have two days of testing. So we get to test day number one. The game is nowhere close to working. It just, it doesn't open. You cannot right. open the game. Nice. Nothing to do. Well done so far. <laughs> There's no testing to be done because there was no game to be played. Right. And it's just another, okay, well, it's not sleep. And at least we'll have one day of testing. Wake up the next day. Okay, it loads. And you're sort of in a scene. Right. And that's about it. So it's the next day. And it is the day of the demo with Valve. And it's sort of like, it's the date with Destiny. Right. And Whether they hit it or we don't. We hit it or we don't. The demo's at noon, and we haven't tested. So it's 10 o'clock, haven't tested. 11 o'clock, haven't tested. 11.30, haven't tested. 
And Azine says, oh, I think the game's going to work, but we don't have time to test it. Right. So the very first complete run-through of the game is live with the guys from Valve. Love it. And it friggin' worked. And so when we do this, the, the essential the game is, it's called Kiss or Kill, and it's the first immersive game show. So I go in, so I do all the demos, so I'm the host. So I'm on one computer in a different office, hosting, and you only can sort of know what's going on. Mm. Um, so we go in, the guy, the biggest thing was, can he join, right? Because he's, he's in Seattle and we're in Los Angeles. And we don't know anything about network infrastructure. So we just sort of whip something together and hope for the best. So I remember when the guy spawns in, it's just like, oh, it worked. Can, can you hear me? <laughs> Are you here? Are you Trying really not here? to sound too surprised. Yeah, yeah. Not too excited. Um, so we, we go through, we play the game. And on the spot, he says, guys, that was awesome. You've got two more weeks and we'll see you at GDC. Wow. And amazing. that was just, you know, one of those moments of, holy crap, we did it. And we did it and we sort of had no right to do it. As in, developers wait a lifetime to go to GDC. That's something that I hope people take away from this story. And this is something that I got from you, which is the Robinson credo. <laughs> uh, let's see if I can let's get see it if you right. Can do it. High confidence, low shame, willingness to walk away. Truth. And I've always loved that. I thought that is really fantastic. And so many of the things that you've done in kicking off Reality Check is um, like entrepreneurship 101, yeah. right? The grinding it out, the putting the rabble rousers together into a team, the ragtag bunch of people that are doing way more than they should be, punching yeah. above their weight, always saying yes, moving forward, you know, and and that to me, like when people ask, like, how do you become an entrepreneur? How do you start something? The answer is you fucking do it. But that yeah. story is, is that, it's all those steps, it's all those times that you shouldn't have called, right? Like you didn't have anything, <laughs> but you called because you have high confidence, low shame, willingness to walk away. So call them, pitch them, they laugh, then you pull out the, okay, well, let's roll the dice, right? You don't hang up and go, okay, well, I'm kind of embarrassed that right. they said no, you just plow through the next one. And I imagine if they'd said no to that, you would have made one up on the spot. <laughs> yeah, and so right. <laughs> it's like doing, like this is what I want, I really want people to understand is, that is entrepreneurship. Yeah. So yes, the world, all the things that you see, they're made by people no smarter than you, but they are made by people who had the willingness to keep pushing, to try again, to be uncomfortable, to say yes to something that they actually don't know how they're gonna pull off. Yeah. And I've posted that before, like say yes and then figure it out later. Yes. So if you don't do that, then you're never going to put yourself in danger of what I call something amazing happening. Like if you don't put yourself in danger of something amazing happening, um, then nothing amazing is ever gonna happen. And I, I fear people overlook the word danger in your sentence. Yeah. Because, and, and I think that's the most important word in there is the danger. Because it's the thing, it's the, it's the fear instigator that prevents most people from doing it. Um, I'll give you another good danger story. Let's hear it. So we get accepted into, and another, like, it's just, it's so crazy. We get, like, accepted into all these crazy conferences that we shouldn't be in. Right. Because uh, you're the one that actually calls and pushes when they first <laughs> says no. Let me just tell you how that happens. So we're at VRLA, which is the biggest VR expo um, here in Los Angeles. Um, I'm walking to get everyone water. And I hear over the loudspeaker... Um, VC Pitch Fest is happening in 10 minutes. And so it's Venture yeah. Capital Pitch Fest. Um, and this is, when was this, May? So it's like right before we're about to start doing this funny, weird, awkward dance that you have to do to raise venture capital. Um, and I'm like, well, I should at least go look. Right. And I'm walking. Literally on the way to get water. On the way to get water. Yeah, make that clear. Yeah, I did get the water because I knew if, right, if I pitch, I want to make sure I have water. Um, <laughs> So I walk in and on stage is this guy, Kevin from Upfront Ventures. And he, he is the, one of the biggest LA based VCs for VR. Like enough so I recognize his face. Right. And it's one of those, like my, my heart sinks. I'm like, I'm pitching him. I'm not leaving here unless I pitch him. Just, they can drag me away, right. but I'm fucking pitching him. So I march up to the front. This is like a huge conference room and there's a ton of people in there. All while you're on the way to get water. I just want to be water. really clear. This is not premeditated. This is not premeditated. This is opportunity presents itself yeah. and you either take yeah. action on it or you let it pass. That's right. And it's, it's, it's like when you're at the gym and you're like, am I going to lift this PR or not? And if it's in your head and you, once you commit to yourself to go do it, if you don't do it, you lose the power to commit to yourself. Right. So I commit to myself. I'm pitching him. 
Um, and by the way, like I'm not like super Mr. Extrovert outgoing. And right. you know, I think people forget that too. I would much rather not be doing right. that. <laughs> this is not the thing I want to be doing. So march up to the front, tell the, the official looking lady, hey, I want to pitch. She sort of laughs. She's like, you know, these like there's six people. They've already signed up. They're pitching. And I say, well, what if there's extra time? Right. She says, no, 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 there's no extra time. Well, how about I just sit here and, you know. Just in case. Just in case. And she says, fine. Like, sit over there and wait. So the six people go. I'm, like, getting up to go because there's, like, two minutes left. And in walks this guy. And she looks at me and she says, I'm so sorry. You know, he'd actually pre-registered. And I think they had to pay to pitch or something. So he's got to go. If there's time, you can go. So he goes up and does his pitch. And it's, we're now over time from his pitch. I don't even look at her. I stand up and I walk to the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, I can do this in 30 seconds. And I do a 30-second pitch right. and get it done. And it was designed for Kevin. And it went awesome. And it's gone on to be multiple meetings with Upfront. And you know they're on sort of the list. Wow. Um, and it was one of those... So the, the whole VC process is this crazy thing and you've got these epic spreadsheets of all the people that you're talking to, who they know, who knows mm. them and like, all right, how can you get to this person? And it was one of them, like there was, I just had no way to get to him right? because you're never right, supposed before to. Before we get yeah. to that story, we've got a fan question here. Uh, if I lose focus, does that mean I lack determination? This is from RJ98. So Nicholas J, does it I mean that he lacks? Focus. Yeah. Gosh, I would say, no. what is focus? Focus is a funny thing. So Azine and I have arguments all the time about focus because Azine likes to be hyper-focused mm. on one thing. And I want 16 things going on at once, right. right? It's like, dude, what's going on with the Alexa app? Have we developed anything on ARKit yet? Um, how's the chatbot going? What's going on with our web backend? Mm. And he's like, oh my God, we just got to finish this one thing. I'm like, no, dude, we got to have 16 things going on at all right. times. So you have to and do you recognize that the balance in that yeah, is yeah, the yeah. magic? Yeah, yeah. So and, and we amplify that and sort of you know mm. we use that, um, which is a total lesson from what you guys would do. Um, so if you lose here, get your focus back. I don't know. Everyone, there's the not the dark side of everything, but especially when you're trying to start something new. There's there are days I do not want to get out of bed mm. for sure. There's days like, oh, I just don't want to do anything. This sucks. Like, we got five rejection emails in one day. Like, I can't face this again. Right. You just get up and you go do it. I think it's, you just fake it, right? You fake the motions of focus, even when you're not feeling focused. And I don't know, for me, I definitely ebb and flow. Um, there's, there's days where it's just a million things get done. There's days where not as much gets done. But it's an aggregate. You look back and, you know, we do quarterly and monthly reviews. And you look back, you're like, whoa, we did a lot in the last month. So day to day, maybe you've got a focus problem, but if you can sustain something for a long period of time. Yeah. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions. And I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing. And a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. And that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash impact and use code impact to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're gonna have any hope of achieving your goals. 
Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. What, what I find interesting here, and, and RJ, I'll speak this right to you, it really is your, you're asking a question that contains in it a self-judgment. And so mm. are you lacking determination? No, because that is like a permanent thing. Are you displaying <laughs> a lack of determination in that moment? Yes. So bring yourself back around. Don't uh, sign a label that is going to make you think that you are a certain way. Mm. I don't have determination. Um, that would be a fool's errand. So figure out what your goal is back into what your goal demands. And if your goal demands focus, as it almost certainly does, then you're going to need to be focused in order to execute on that. Uh, if you know that and you constantly allow yourself to be unfocused, your expression of the lack of determination is stopping you from hitting your goals, but failing doesn't make you a failure. Displaying a lack of determination doesn't mean you're undetermined or that you don't have determination. So you just need to re-bring yourself around, bring yourself around, bring yourself around. Every time that you're wandering off, that you're wandering off, you just got to bring it back around and keep pushing forward. Don't don't worry about whether you have determination, determination or not and really don't feel appeased that I'm telling you that it's like not a permanent sentence. The only thing that should appease you is action, focus, getting back on it and going after it. All right. Uh, giveaway question. We're doing oh, a giveaway. Snap. We've got this whole basket of loveliness over here. Oof. Quest product, uh, which is very near and dear to both of Indeed. our hearts. Um, what year was Quest named the second fastest growing company by Inc. Magazine? So to win this amazing basket of Quest goodies, answer into the comments right now. What year was Quest named the second fastest growing company by Inc. Magazine? Are you going to let right. them Google that? Oh, yeah, they can Google. That's fine. Yeah. So it's, uh, I always like to know if people had to look it up yeah. or if they just I saw it with knew. the MCT question. But yeah, people, a lot of exactly. people got that very fast. That's, I was impressed. If you're in that world, yeah. it's you, so specific. You either, yeah, you know it or you yeah, don't know. No it. one's like sounding it out. Right. Oh, I wonder, like, <laughs> you either know medium chain triglycerides or you do not. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, all right. Um, I want to go back really fast. Yeah. Um, give it to me, Punchy, because we've got some more questions sure. waiting. But how. How do you find a co-founder? Like, what are the nuts and bolts? Yeah. Um, let's see. Find meetups. That's step number Meet, one. Like, it's such an easy thing. Find the meetups. And here's, the, I hate meetups. I'm an introvert. Very much not your shtick. Not yeah. my shtick. And do, I mean, you've been sounding on this, especially recently about network, network, network. And it's so yeah. true. And it's one of those, you know how much you hate doing it? Yeah, that's how important it is. Right. So yeah. go to meet, find your thing that you're interested in, go to meetups. It. 
that's the that's the easiest hack I can possibly think of. If you don't so already know there, the person, you're introverted. Yeah. How do you um, how do you know who to approach? It's a room full of fucking people. Yeah. Like even if there's only fifty people, it feels like such a crapshoot. Yeah. So how do you like? Did you have a methodology for the people you approach? I I literally just go up and start talking to people. So the the one thing I am able to do is go into a group of people and be like, Hey, I'm gonna butt in and say hi. Like I literally will say, Hey, I'm gonna butt in and join this conversation. High confidence. Low shame, yeah. willingness to walk away. Truth. By the way, the willingness to walk away thing is like when the deal isn't right, you just move on. Yeah. Is what that means. Right. Um, so I just did that. And it was, yeah, listen, meetups meetups attract a wide variety of people. Some are going to be your type and some aren't. Right. And you're just you're going to gravitate maybe to someone. And if you do, then talk to them, stay in touch, go get coffee and see where it goes. Yeah. And I definitely had the intent in the back of my head of, I need to find like-minded people that I can see if I can, you know, wrangle and do something with. Right. Um, so I, I definitely went in with an intent. But and I will say, despite the fact that you're introverted, you are very good at painting a vision. Right. You're good at getting people excited. And so that's something like if you want to find a co-founder, if you want to find somebody, you need to know which side of that coin you're on. Yes. Are you the visionary? Are you the executor? And that's that's very rough, sort of breaking the world. But those are two easy things to hold on to. Um, and honestly, and I I know I would do this because I did something like this. If I were introverted and I were the executor, meaning I'm not going to get somebody mm. excited. I'm not going to get them amped up. I would fucking wear a sign around my neck. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> this is not hypothetical. I, this is how I got my Greek tutor. I would wear a sign around my neck that would say, I'm an executor and I'm looking for a co-founder in the VR space yep. that is um, visionary leadership, whatever. Yep. You will get mobbed Dude, if you do that. At a meetup or just walk the streets of San Francisco. Yeah, true. And you, I promise you, you'll find like... That's such an awesome move that so few people will do. And, and if you do that in a place like San Francisco, you're going to be all over Twitter. And not only, so put your email address on that sign. Yeah, very good point. Because very that's an point. awesome idea that no one is going to do. And it's an awesome idea. To me, life is asking you a very simple question. How fucking far are you willing to go? Like, how far are you willing to go? And if you're willing to go all, like, to the absurd, and Tim Ferriss talked about this in the interview when he came on to Impact Theory, he said sometimes you just have to ask yourself such a radical question that it shakes you out of all your preconceived mm. notions, it forces you to think incredibly differently. So he said, if I only had two hours to work, what changes would I have to make in my life? And he, the only reason he changed it to four hours because his uh, editor was like, nobody's gonna believe <laughs> two hours. Um, but that was the, the question that he posed to himself that made him rethink everything that yeah. ended up building his entire empire. So when I was looking for a Greek tutor, and nobody fucking in LA speaks hmm. Greek, I, finally I went to a Greek fair, and I wore a sign around my neck in Greek that said I'm looking for a tutor. And I figured if you could read it, yeah. then there you was a shot it. that you were my tutor. And everyone looked at the sign because it was so weird <laughs> that I had this sign. I was had it pinned to me. Okay. Because you remember Die Hard 2? It wasn't a sandwich okay. board. <laughs> Not a sandwich board. Uh, it was, and it was Die Hard 3. Um, it was just a... Uh, a pinned like right, like a right, runner's tag right. so but that was like i remember it was so absurd it was yeah. so outlandish that i knew i was going to get people you knew it was going to work yeah yeah so and that really is like that's the thing right how far are you willing to push where do you stop like do you stop at discomfort are you prepared to go to outright embarrassment mm. like that's the thing i've one of my superpowers i've never been afraid to look stupid hmm. I've never been afraid. Like embarrassment sucks, but it's so temporary. So, and if you can, like think about the, the credibility you earn with yourself. Like you were saying, yeah. if, if you make yourself a promise and you don't follow up with it, you lose that right. Yeah. My whole thing was if I back off because I'm afraid of being embarrassed, like I'll lose so much credibility with myself for how far I'm willing to go to reach my goals. So like rewarding yourself, feeling good about that, really pushing, going all the way, I think is super important. All right, we have a fan question here. This is from Chris German. How practical would it be to have VR video on the IT interviews? The immersion it could offer would be amazing. Being able to look back and forth as each person talks would make you feel like you were in the conversation. Can I be a hater? Please. Because you'll be excited about it, so I'll, I'm going to take the other side. I like it. Because um, I feel like I have to like really stand up for true virtual reality. Okay. So while cute, a 360 video, yeah, that's a cool <laughs> idea. That's not actually VR. Interesting. Why not? So virtual reality requires all six degrees of freedom, meaning you can walk around, you can okay. jump, you can move your hands, you can pick up objects. Now, 
on the film side, they're getting there with volumetric capturing, and it will take you, you know, like five days to render a second. Um, Whoa. But, and of course, that's going to speed up, and sure. that's gonna, that stuff's going to get crazy. And that's when you finally get that full blending of you're walking around an environment that looks as real as this and finally proves simulation theory, which right. we won't get into. Um, so, yeah, that, that to me is what true virtual reality is. And the reason that's important is if your first experience with VR is watching a 360 video probably on your computer monitor, so it's flat. Mm. I mean, you see that and you're like, oh, that's VR? That's not VR. Um, so while you could, Chris, German... Uh, film this in 360 and you know you could put a 360 camera right there and that'd be kind of cool um, don't confuse that with actually creating an immersive experience right because um, it's a little gimmicky it's a little gimmicky and I might be gut, cute for 10 or 15 minutes and then what you realize is that you're just going to pretty much hold the shot on you until right. someone else talks and you're so hey why not just have the editors cut that for you and you right. don't have to move your mouse um, so or your head or your head right Yes. So I think that's what most people are thinking is, oh my God, it's so cool. Like, I get to it's decide. funny. I automatically look. assume they're, they're not even putting on a headset for that experience. Really? For VR? So that's most people are watching 360 flat. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's weird. I know. Okay. So as a, because I, I consider, this is, so my whole shtick is that we're going to bring a casual immersive entertainment to the mainstream. Um, and in order to do that, you've got to give people that first experience that's really incredible. Otherwise, the people who use Google Cardboard and that's their first VR experience, that's not really VR. Mm -hmm. So it's important that they get that true first taste. And you know, when you look back historically, people's first true taste of any new technologies is a really important one. Radio, TV, like people would, people forget, people would stand outside like a Macy's and watch the TV through the window because they were so enamored by it. Wow. People would watch test patterns for hours on end. The test pattern. That's weird. That's how crazy it was for them. So right. you have to give them that experience. You're not getting that crazy experience on a, uh, with a 360 video. So my gut is that 360 video is going to go the way of 3D TV. Um, it's a stepping stone into something far more important. So you guys could throw a, one of those Rico Thetas. Put mm -hmm. one there. Um, but it would be a nice marketing hook. A little gimmick right. for a couple episodes. But. That's what it feels like yeah. to me. It feels a little gimmicky because that's accessible to me and, and I don't do hmm. it now because it's inconvenient. I have to go to where my computer setup is right. and because I'm just used to using a laptop, I, it's not attached to my main computer. Yeah. So, And then you have to put the goggles on. It just seemed like I like it and really cool immersive experiences are amazing and they're getting better by the day. Yeah. But watching a video that I don't think benefits from if I were doing something where I was addressing the camera and I was talking to you and you could move around yes. and I had a sense of presence that I could see yep. doing um, but one of the interviews it'd be first of all I want to be able to control when you look at a given person um, so I don't necessarily want you to have total freedom I want to be able to control like are you seeing my reaction are you seeing them talking um, are you let me, in a let medium? Me throw, are you let me in a throw wide? one there, though. You've got to, you're going to have to use new techniques to force the gaze. So, and people are experimenting that already of literally like the gaze of an actor's eyes because right. it's psychology, right? You're going you're gonna to use those social cues to motivate. Magicians are going to like be the kings because they know so much about misdirection, yes. forcing you to look in a certain place. Tom, yes, please. I'm telling you, I'm so glad you said that because I keep meaning to talk to you about this. Magic in VR will be so nuts. Like someone's got to get on that. There's some awesome possibilities for magic in VR. Mm. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. Especially because you can look wherever you want. So you'd yes. feel less like it's a camera trick, yeah. which is always the thing that I just don't understand magic on TV. I, I just immediately assume <laughs> yeah. it's a camera trick. Right. So if you robbed people of that and it's like, okay, this is a single shot. I can look wherever I want. I can stare at your hands if I want. Um, then it would get really, really interesting. Yes, indeed. But right. Chris, oh no, Chris is gone. Nope, now we've moved on. But, but if good have... question, Chris. I just, you know, I don't want to be the, the downer for the idea. I love the new ideas, but right. that one. All right. This one's from Kim Litvak. How do you figure out your why, your one thing? I've realized today during this event that it isn't money. However, I'm not sure what it is or how to figure it out and connect hmm. deeply with it. Do hmm. you have any new insights? <sighs> Let's see. What would the insight be? The first thing that came to my mind, of course, was the, the moment when we discovered Simon Sinek. Um, mm. That was like 2011. Start with why. So she buys into it, though. She, she does, wants to know yeah, how, you how do you find, find it. Because so Simon sort of give, presupposes that you yeah, know what it is. I know. 
So there, I mean, there's the two theories of thought, right? Passion is bullshit or passion is everything. Yep. Um, Where do you fall? I don't feel qualified to answer and I'll tell you why. Interesting. Um, I've, I've sort of, as a kid, I had interests that were computers and film. Mm-hmm. Um, and those, trying to track back, because I've had these passions for so long, it, it almost feels unfair to, for someone who doesn't have that thing, I have this innate curiosity. I have to understand, like, why are these things happening? How do I do it myself? Right? There's just, right. I see something and questions pop into my head and I just, I have to find out the answers to them. So it's just, it's just there. And I guess other people don't have that thing. Um, and I'm not saying I'm like that with everything. There's plenty of things that, the architecture of this room and stuff like that, I, 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 right. don't, I don't think about. But the things that I think about, I think about obsessively. I read everything about it. I spend hours and hours and hours and hours researching it. Um, so that fuels the passion, right? So it builds, it starts with this little tiny kernel of, I remember as a kid watching a movie and I would think about the story a little bit. I would think about sort of, how's, how's that happening? But I remember this one moment thinking, how, how is there text on the screen? How, literally, how are there letters on the screen mm-hmm. scrolling up? How, how is that happening? I do not understand. And then you kind of, you dig into that and then you find answers and then you find other people who are discovering it and then you learn about directors and it just builds on itself, right? right? So it's a little tiny question in your mind will eventually explode into a passion. So I guess my answer would be to be curious about stuff and then, but truly honestly be curious about it. Mm. Because when I'm diving into weird topics, esoteric thinkers of the 60s or what's happening in China today, it's just, I just want to be learning about it. Right. So... I think it's cultivating that. That would be my best advice. All right. So I'm going to jump off from that point. I'm going to give you some really tactical shit to do. So he's absolutely right. I think he totally nailed it. But there is a process that you can go through. So encountering as many things as possible is step number one. So you're looking for what just today has come into my mind um, as a visual. You're looking for fireflies. Now, ultimately, those fireflies, you can turn into a big ass searchlight, but they're going to start as these Little like fireflies. So imagine a swarm in your life. You've encountered things and they're that. They're like these little flickers of light. Mm -hmm. But you're not yet sure like if you really care about them or if you're just interested (laughs) in them. So you need to encounter a bunch of shit. So encounter a whole lot of stuff. Whatever that's going to be, go take a dance class. Go hike. um, Write a blog post. uh, Take a basket weaving class. Like whatever that is. However you're going to encounter all these things. Encounter a bunch of stuff. Once you encounter those, you're going to realize which ones of those hold particular interest for you. And when you find something that really like, hmm, that one, that one is particularly interesting to me, then you're going to engage with it. By engaging with it, you're going to spend enough time with it that you can really begin to get a sense if this is something that's going from an interest to a fascination. Once you have something that's a fascination, now you want to go down the process of actually getting good. So you're gonna gain mastery in that thing. So if your thing is kayaking, you're gonna start to get really good. You're gonna try to, how do I navigate long distances? How do I go faster? What do I have to do in the gym to build the muscles that I need to do to do that? Do I wanna kayak down rivers? How can I do more and more challenging rivers? I I literally have no idea why I'm using kayaking. All things that you're picking kayaking. No idea why. But as you're going down that, because not everything has to be business, right? So. Um, As you're going down that, if you really find that this is something that you could develop a passion for, that passion is either going to be developed or you're going to discard it as you have to go through the boring shit to get really good. Mm -hmm. So if you find that to get really good at kayaking, at building a business, you know, VR, at programming, whatever that thing is... If it, the concept of it is so exciting that you're willing to fight through the boring stuff, that's the one that you want to go after. And that's going to become the thing, but it's still not going to become the why. So to find the why in all of that, you really have to develop, because this is not a process of archaeology. This is not uncovering. This is developing something. And then you're going to decide that it's your why from a business perspective, So let's take kayaking because it's going to be fucking hard to come up with a compelling (laughs) why as to, so let's say that you develop kayaking, you realize, man, this is something I really want to do. I want to spend a lot of time. In fact, I want to monetize this. So I know Simon Sinek says, start with why. I need to have that thing, that passion, that thing that really is going to pull me through the hard times when I'm struggling to make money, I'm struggling to make ends meet. Why am I still going to do this? This is where it becomes critical to connect to something bigger than yourself. So here's what I believe is the meaning of life. The meaning of life is to find out how many skills you can acquire that have utility 
then put that utility to the test in service of something bigger than yourself. So I wanted to create food that people could choose based on taste and it happened to be good for them. But that's not a why, that's a what. The why is because I wanna end metabolic disease to literally help people live their best life. Said another way, I wanna to get to the body, to get to the mind, to help get them out of the matrix. So that was the thing that was driving me and that was something I could be passionate about. I could think about my family and the people that I love that struggled with food. And so that was the thing that pulled me through all the boredom, all the hard times, was thinking about all the people that I could touch that by getting them in a virtuous cycle with their body, um, you could help them develop uh, a very positive mind-body connection. I won't derail us on all that, but ultimately trying to get to the, to the mind through the body. So putting that, I'm gonna end metabolic disease at the center, that's how you decide and develop on your why, okay? So even though I tie it back to my family, I didn't have some burning desire hmm. to help people um, with their weight or some burning desire to um, get people to, even, even to get people out of the matrix when I was young, right? There were like right. these little seeds. My uncle, I'm struggling profoundly with obesity and ultimately dying of complications from that. Um, my mom and my sister struggling profoundly and not wanting to lose them to complications of that. So over time, you really start thinking about what are things that I can connect to and you find that thing that you can connect with a little bit and then you, through that process of deciding this is gonna be my thing and really finding a way to connect with it emotionally. All right. Stop there. We have another question. Jeremy Thompson, when considering a service-based startup in the healthy nutrition sector, how can you start and how would you scale versus a product that you can slowly grow, hard to slow grow a direct consumer food business? Thoughts? Um, well, first I'll knock out the lie. It's not hard to slow grow a direct to consumer Agreed. food business. Um, in fact, that may be the best way yeah. to grow a, a direct to consumer business. And one of the things that became very hard to manage was the rapid growth of Quest. So yep. um, once we knock that lie out, what's your take on this? Yeah, um, God, these are fun questions. I get those questions sometimes from people too. This seems like, like the path um, for starting a food company now seems, <laughs> this is a terrible thing to say. It's like, ah, it seems pretty easy. Mm. Um, and There were some trailblazers. Yeah. So yeah, I would develop the product. Um, I would start getting it out. Literally just do the Quest playbook. Right, which is get the product developed in its minimal viable product, um, the crappiest, crappiest version that you can possibly sell, and that's important, being able to sell right. it. So it can be crappy, but not so crappy that you can't sell it. Right. Um, I would get that. I would find that group of people that are going to love this product uh, and get it to them as quickly as possible. I would be learning Amazon. As a matter of fact, I'd be spending a lot of time learning Amazon. Um, I would eating the retail be world, spending more time on Amazon than on my own direct to consumer side at this point. Um, because it's inevitable. Yeah. Um, so I would be finding the people that want my product and I'd be learning Amazon like a ninja and scale. So, Wow, a yeah. lot was hidden in that last word scale. Oh, and by <laughs> the way, scale. scale. Just scale. Yeah, that's yeah. it, bro. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. I wish um, we, by the way, I wish we could talk to these people because actually I want to know a little. I need questions. a few yeah. pieces of detail and I could give a really awesome response. Yeah, I totally hear that. But... All right, right now, show, well, I, I think you nailed it. There's not a lot more to go into there. Um, show prize announce giveaway winner mm. is, that was so awkward. Giveaway like, winner. How, how, giveaway winner. How awkward can you put the emphasis? Um, okay. <laughs> It's time to announce the winner. The giveaway winner is Tiffany Decker. Yeah. Tiffany, forgive me for that very awkward Woo! phrasing. <laughs> Tiffany Decker in the house. 2014 was the correct answer. That was when Quest was named as the second fastest growing company in North America. Sure Actually, was. in America. I think they're, they're just America. I don't think it's North. I can't remember for sure. It but was North anyway, America. I there we go. so many times. Perfect. Um, congratulations, Tiffany. Well what was played. the guy's name in Blade Runner? Wasn't it Decker? Yeah. Deckard. Dude. Yeah, I see. I forget his first name though. Don't know. Um, okay, so there it is. And do we have any more questions? New, oh, are we already wrapping? Do we have to wrap? Wow. Man, this was a lot of fun. I really, really hope that you guys enjoyed this because about halfway through, I thought we got to bring you back. Uh, we're working on the new show. I think it'd be so awesome. 
to bring you back for yeah. that. I think that would be a lot, a lot of fun. Where can these guys find you online? Yeah, so realitycheck.co. Spelled. R-L-T-Y-C-H-K. Why have vowels when you don't have to? There you go. Um, yeah, go to realitycheck.co. If you go to realitycheck.co backslash beta, you can sign up to be one of the first testers to ever play an immersive VR game show. Nice. So special just for the Impact Theory audience. I wonder how nice. many people who watch Impact Theory have VR. It's a good question. I'd be don't curious. Have the answer. As a I, matter of fact, if comment, I'll I'll check the comments when I get home. If you have VR, comment, and I'll send you all the games we ever made. Put you on our list. Give you cool stuff. Nice. Bam. Badass. Yeah. Nick, thank you, my friend. TV. Good to see you, man. Amazing to have you on here. Thank you very much. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.